to Hello and welcome to Opinions and Beer. I'm your host Adam. Today we will be doing a pop-up interview with Heather Warburton of the Wine, Women, and Revolution podcast. Apologies in advance, I'm not sure how uh, today's interview will go. I do not have my regular interviewer co-host. Um, Keenan Kitchens is unavailable for the time being and uh, we're not quite sure when we'll be able to have him back. We hope him well and we hope he returns very soon. But for today's episode, we have Ed Ray 1416 on the other line with Heather Warburton. We will transfer over there very shortly. But first, let me go ahead and get into this beer. Today's beer of the day is Shiner's Morello Dark Cherry. Uh, dark Cherry. Shiner Dark Cherry. Uh... It is 7% alcohol by volume, brewed with cherries. Yeah, I think you can tell by the name. You know, life life is just a brew of cherries, and so is this beer. Uh, now, cherry, you can go left or right with cherry. You can go wrong or right with cherry. Cherries are kind of difficult. I, I, maybe not difficult, but it's, for some reason it seems like a difficult flavor to pull off right. You either get like this really sweet, like a like a decent like a snow cone type of cherry, or you go the opposite way and get a that like more of like a bitter um, cough medicine cherry. Uh, hopefully, this one is a snow cone cherry. We shall see. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and try this beer. This is a mixture of. <laughs> I feel like it's going for the the um sweet like a like a snow cone cherry taste but that aftertaste is so medicine. Maybe it's because of the alcohol. Maybe because there's alcohol in this. There's no way to get a non-medicine taste from it. I'm not quite sure. I if anyone out there uh thinks that <laughs> there's a better there's a good cherry a good cherry beer that tastes like snow cone cherry and not cough syrup medicine cherry. Please, please, please join our Facebook group, Opinions and Beer. Or you can email me at adammorgan4873 at gmail.com. Go ahead and uh, email me and tell me where to find a better cherry beer. And you know what? Go ahead and message me if there's a beer out there that you think we should try to get a hold of to review for Opinions and Beer. It's not the worst thing. You know, I can't... These are definitely drinkable. I can't see myself... I can't see myself uh, drinking too many of these, though. It, it seems... I feel like it'd give you a stomachache. Or at least me. I think I would get a stomachache from this beer if I drank it too much. Shiner! Uh, I've been praising you quite often, but this time I'm going to give you a little boot. I'm going to boot this beer uh, into the try again next year <laughs> column. It's not that good. Yeah, I'm going to say it. it's not that good. You know, a lot of times I love flavored beers and I love that candied beers and like these really fruity uh, sweet beers. This one I do not like. Do not like this one, but I will still drink it 
because like I said, it's drinkable. I just don't like it. Uh, maybe a five, a four, four out of ten. Not that good. Pass, pass on this. Sorry, Shiner. Sorry. Okay, enough of that little. <laughs> enough of dragging that on. Um, I think uh, I think Ed Ray is ready, and we are going to switch over now to this interview, and hopefully it goes well. We shall see in three, two, one. Here we are. Okay, welcome to the Opinions and Beer podcast. I'm your host, Adam. To my left here, I have Ed Ray 1416. Hello, everyone. Today we are talking with the the host of the Women, Wine, and Weather Revolution podcast, uh, Miss Heather uh, Warburton, correct? Yep, Heather Warburton, and it's Wine, Women, and Revolution. Wine, Women, and Revolution. How, how's your day going so far? How you doing? Pretty good. It was snowy here yesterday, but it's finally starting to melt a little bit, so that's nice. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been seventy here all <laughs> all all winter. It's been seventy. Uh, I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> um, uh, man, so uh, you're you you're from uh, New Jersey, is that correct? Yes, I am. Man, they, they have a a lot of news going on right now. Y'all just had a uh, a hostage situation get resolved over there at a UPS facility. I saw a little bit about that, but I've been kind of busy this morning, so I wasn't following it that closely. Yeah, uh, me neither. I'm just uh, seeing that it's all over the news. The info, let's see, where's that? It's uh, right near, uh, I guess right near Philadelphia. Uh, it's in between Philadelphia and Wilmington over in Delaware. Interesting. Near Swedesboro. Swedesboro. <laughs> But uh, you said that yeah, you were... Yeah, it's not too far from where I am. <laughs> you said you were on your way to the uh, an art art gallery? Yeah, um, that is also my day job, as I am an artist. Is that the... Uh, was that the Grusmore Art? Grusmore? Grusmore? No. No? <laughs> uh, well, I'm an uh, associate artist at the Riverfront Renaissance Art Gallery. But I was actually on my way out to the uh, art center today, which is just a community art gallery. Well, that's really cool. What uh, what got you into um, being an artist? Um, well, I went to school for marine biology uh, way back in the day, back when I was still in college, and ended up taking a photo class. And I fell in love with it so much, I changed my major on the spot and ended up getting a uh, visual arts degree instead. Really cool. Who was the Heather Heather Warburton uh, photography? At a uh, heatherwarbingtonphotography.com. What kind of uh, what kind of photos and uh, paintings do you do? Uh, well, I do surrealist portrait photography is my like fine art stuff I do, but I also do commercial, industrial headshots, all the usual pay the bills stuff. I try to get into photography. I'm more into uh, videography, if anything. But uh, you, you, so you do the uh, you, you do your podcast for New Jersey Revolution Radio. Or is that something? Yes, I'm one of the co-owners of New Jersey Revolution Radio. Oh, really? That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. How did that come about? 
Uh, well, my business partner, I ended up meeting him when back when I was part of the Green Party. Um, he was the membership chair when I first joined, and we became friends over the course of working together for a while, and once I sort of resigned from my position at the Green Party, we were looking for another opportunity to work together. We have similar politics, so we decided, oh, let's see what happens if we start an independent media company, and we're going on about six months we've been running it now. That's that's pretty cool, yeah. Uh, wine, women, and revolution. What all do you uh, discuss in your podcast? Um, well, it's uh, anything really on my podcast. I've had artists and poets and authors. Um, I have political activists. I have anti-capitalist activists, environmentalists. Um, my next interview coming up next week, I'll be interviewing environmentalist Doug Peacock, who. Um, you may know if you are an environmentalist, he inspired one of Edward Abbey's characters in the Monkey Wrench Gang. So he's my next interview coming up next week. That's really nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're we're on this uh, we're on the interview train trying to. Uh, we're still pretty early in our in our podcast, about a month in. But uh, we just interviewed a public speaker, Philip Andrew. We got a um, we interview a bunch of. Uh, independent movie makers and uh, uh, prop makers from Sweden and uh, really filmmakers from all around the world and we also got a uh, rock band that we're going to be interviewing in early February which is really exciting. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually did interview a uh, independent filmmaker, a local one from here from New Jersey for one of my episodes for my Halloween special because he made sort of a horror movie about the Jersey Devil and ghosts and a haunted house and found footage. So I had him on for my Halloween special, and that was a lot of fun. Independent movies are definitely an entertaining thing to get involved in. Oh, yeah. The, just the creativity behind them all. It's just amazing the, cre the creativity that people have. Right, because you have such a low budget, I think, that you have to really think outside of the box because you can't afford high-impact graphics. So you have to do the best you can with, like, your buddy under a sheet hiding in the corner, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, you said that uh, you were part of the, uh, the Green Party of New Jersey? Uh, yeah, last year I was actually one of the three co-chairs of the Green Party of New Jersey. Oh, uh, what happened with that? Oh, just it got to be too many things going on all at the same time in my life, so I resigned from, I couldn't do the party justice when I had so many other things going on, but it, I, I still support candidates, I've worked for, you know, do headshots and artwork for various candidates still, it was just, I could not give the party what it needed at that point in time. <laughs> no, we, we, do, we do live in the, um, the, the deep south, the deep south. <laughs> So our uh, our uh, our political uh, beliefs may not align, but I, I do. Uh, Probably not, considering but, I am an anti-capitalist. <laughs> but uh, but, but uh, the uh, some things I do agree. I do think that we do have some um, some laws that definitely need to be changed around certain things, especially I my uh, one of my co-hosts. I had to I had to pre-record a bunch of uh, interviews the other day because my co-host had to go to jail. Uh, for a uh, oh, no. for a joint, because he had a uh, he had a joint and he owed a thousand dollars, and uh, he couldn't pay the thousand dollars. So now he's in jail and he won't be uh, back until uh, he deals with that. So. Yeah, I'm actually organizing a cannabis education forum for here locally in the Atlantic City area or the surrounding community, educating people about 
where the cannabis legislation stands in New Jersey, uh, if you're a medical marijuana patient, that what that process looks like. We're putting together a big form that'll be coming up in the next couple of months. So I'm definitely a supporter of legalization. And uh, now I with me here is Ed Ray 1416 He is a very controversial figure uh, online uh, in the commentary community, uh, mainly for his his uh, his grassroots conservative uh, movement. <laughs> he's a he's a grassroots conservative. Tell us about yourself, Ed. Right, introduce yourself. You haven't said nothing. Well, it was uh, hard for me to come up with something, but I'm going to try to convey the. Uh, convey whatever I can anyway. Well, anyway, I'm a grassroots conservative. I believe that uh, we should not have a very big government to begin with because whenever, whenever there's a big government, it costs taxpayers more money to support them. And then I do believe, and believe it or not, I do agree with the uh, legalization of hemp that the government just implemented because I believe that hemp can ha do a lot of wonderful things for America, including uh, make your own electricity, believe it or not. I mean, you grow your own hemp, you harvest it, and then you start processing uh, the hemp to where you could get the fuel and then use the hemp fuel to power your own house so you don't have to pay the electric companies hundreds of dollars a month for electricity. And the uh, other thing is that while marijuana itself has yet to be fully legal in the, in the United States, I do believe that marijuana has some uh, benefits like uh, fighting cancer and among other things, you know. And the other thing about... Uh, my uh, views as a uh, grassroots conservative is that we should allow people to speak whatever is on their mind and uh, not intervene with government just to help us uh, get our message out there. I mean, from the conservative side, you could say what you want. From the liberal side, you could say what you want. But I'm against censorship because uh, it's not it's not really a good way to get your message out there if the other, other side cannot uh, convey their own... Uh, subjective viewpoints we get in a lot of talks over uh over socialism in our in facebook and <laughs> across the world uh uh social justice but uh uh so wine women and revolution do you drink uh or do you do like wine tasting on your show uh well the general premise of it is that sort of a bunch of activists or whomever it is I'm interviewing sitting around my table, my kitchen table, having a glass of wine and just having a discussion about whatever it is we're talking about. Oh, that's it. That's cool. That's cool, too. Uh, yeah, in our show, we kind of, every episode, we started off with a, uh, with a probably, it's usually a pre-taped beer review before we uh, go off into the deep end of whatever we want to talk about it from... Um, Entertainment news to to interviews, uh, all sorts of things. So what's what's all happening in New, Jer New Jersey right now that you that you're pushing and <laughs> all right, advocating I can tell you for? Stuff I'm involved in at least that, as I said, we are talking about legalizing pot here in New Jersey, expanding the medical program, and um, also doing expungement of people's criminal justice records that if they were arrested just for having some pot on them, like a basic possession charge, that their criminal history would be expunged off of their record once we legalize it. We are currently talking about expanding to a $15 an hour minimum wage that's being debated politically. There is, there was a recent uh, take, you know, big, where the Democrats who are in power in New Jersey 
tried to create a gerrymandering bill, so a bunch of activists had to come together to fight against that. That's the kind of news I've been involved in in New Jersey. Yes, $15 minimum wage sounds great. Uh, <laughs> well, I disagree with the $15 minimum wage, why? and here's why. Because wages should depend on two things, the supply and demand, and of course the ability of the worker. I mean, if the worker can perform the task very well alongside increasing, uh, balancing the supply and demand, you know, increase uh, demand and try to balance supply and stuff like that. I mean, if the worker does very well, then they deserve to get paid a certain amount of money per hour, but I don't think that poor workers, people that poorly perform at their jobs should deserve $15 an hour because that I, I think that'd be a waste of uh, company resources and it proves that uh, companies are not very competent. Uh, I don't know how to respond to that one. <laughs> yeah, Ed Ray, you sound like a capitalist. Is that what you are? <laughs> You're a very grassroots capitalist. I'm not an anarcho-capitalist because I think ANCAPs are very flawed. Ed Ray, what do you think... What what makes you think capitalism is so great? Because it gives you the ability to privately own stuff. I mean, if you were in a socialist or communist group, then trying to maintain ownership or trying to acquire private ownership would be impossible. Well, that yeah, that is the definitions of capitalism and socialism there. But... Uh... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so are we going to keep going here? So I'm guessing you guys are big fans of the legalization, right? <laughs> Is that the gist I'm getting here? We're just, we're just big fans of, uh, of, uh, of no government, very libertarian as far as uh, uh, anti-government completely, and uh, free market, but... Uh, Kind of against. I'm against corporatism. I'm against the. I'm, I'm against the free market becoming lazy and that evolving into uh, uh, crony capitalism, which is kind of what we are seeing today. And one of the biggest problems that we are facing is crony capitalism compared to actual free market capitalism. Is because these companies they get lazy. They want to sell out. They want to. Uh, they, they 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 get tired. It's like they get tired of the the competition part of capitalism, and they sell their companies to this, the big corporation. Now we have, when you have a corporation that controls everything, that's where the problems start to seep in. And, you know, I believe in uh, in just <laughs> competition side of the free market, uh, regular uh, than than I am for government regulations. And because I mean, we're seeing it right now. We're seeing when the government fails or when the government is incompetent then people start getting hurt and we're seeing that right now with our government right now being shut down we're seeing people you know standing outside for bread they, they don't get their food is because you can't rely on something uh as incompetent as the government is well i think that the government can be a source of good but currently as it's being operated that it's not living up to the potential that it should be, that it's so divisive right now, that's so partisan, that people are getting hurt, because people will go along with whatever stupid thing their party says, 
because they're so partisan that they won't stand up and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I think that is part of the problem of just having a two-party system. I think we need to have many, many more political parties. Or else you get into this hyper-partisan where people don't call out when their own party is doing something really damaging. Agreed. And this is, this is one of the things why they... Uh why the founding fathers believed in more of a in more of a republic instead of democracy because they felt like uh, they wanted a more uh, s uh, smarter opinions than the general consensus because they realized the that founding the fathers did warn us not to make a two-party system exactly. that it would be the destruction of democracy in America. Yeah, the big problem with uh, parties are that you can never get one side to agree or you can't even get your own party to agree. That's why I believe in variables like uh, independent or libertarian, whatever you want to call it, constitutionalist, or if you want to be politically indifferent, that's your prerogative. I just think... Uh... Yeah, I don't actually... I mean, I don't like libertarian politics, but a lot of libertarian candidates I actually get along very well with since we're running independent candidates and we're facing the same roadblocks so often that they don't let you into debates or that they don't let you participate in various forums because you're outside of that two-party duopoly. So we've, I've actually worked with the Libertarian Party, like in, in New Jersey, for example, the Green Party and the Libertarian Party sued the state together to force the state to allow you to register as Green or Libertarian. No, they wouldn't let you? No, you could only register as the two part, either Democrat, Republican, or Independent. See, that is an issue. That's that's so stupid. What is going on? Why? Oh. So it really hurts. You can't grow your party if no one can be registered as your party. Like, oh, well, how many people are in your party? Zero is essentially what it was up until. And the Green Party and the Libertarian Party together won that lawsuit. So now you can register as all the different parties that are available. What were, were some of those frustrations, some of the reasons why you had to uh, step down? Yeah, well, I just had a lot of things going on in my life as well. Um, you know, just you get very busy sometimes when you're working on projects, various art projects or various whatever, you know, is going on in your life. You know, there, there's always a lot of drama involved in politics. Oh, yeah. I think no matter what party you're involved <laughs> in. And sometimes, you know, you can get a little frustrated with some of the drama and just be like, I'm just going to focus on my real life for the moment and let you guys bicker amongst yourselves. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, a lot of Democratic circles are very angry with the Green Party over Jill yes, Stein. They are. <laughs> over Jill Stein, they they are constantly bringing up Jill Stein references. Gosh darn Jill Stein! If they uh, if, if y'all wouldn't have voted for her, uh, we would have won. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I get that yelled at me actually very frequently. But do they really yell at you? Uh, they. Definitely are not, um, you know, they don't want to hear anything you have to say about how values matter. They would just like to yell at you about Jill Stein. Even though I live in New Jersey, the state which is so predominantly Democrat, like my vote really didn't count. I voted for Jill Stein, but my state went so heavily towards Hillary, it didn't impact anything anyway. But they still like to yell at me. <laughs> I, yeah, I just feel it's definitely, it comes down to self-reflection, you know. You don't, you don't want to vote for somebody that you didn't want. You know, it's like you can't get exactly. mad. Yeah, why? Why would they get mad at you for making your free choice? It's you know who. It, I think just the visual, just the visualization of people voting for someone else gives someone else the like. Okay, maybe if I would have voted for that Green Party member, that would have been good. You know, I, that they could have got elected. You know, the visual, the visualization of those numbers going up 
for those independent parties really uh, really helps other people make that choice to vote for somebody other than the two-party system. Yeah, and in New Jersey, our uh, senatorial candidate did the best we've ever had a candidate do, a Green Party candidate do in New Jersey. She got 25,000 votes, which is just a testament to how much people are looking for another option. I, I noticed on the Green Party, uh, was this the Green Party um, Facebook page? Uh, I don't know how you said you're not really... Um, right, I support individual candidates, but I'm not part of the leadership anymore. Part of the leadership anymore. But uh, do, you, do you know anything about what they were talking about? They were going into a meeting about the uh, some uh, Patterson shooting? A Patterson? Oh, yeah. Um, it wasn't a shooting. There was a person who was arrested, uh, Jameek, I believe his name was. And he actually went into the police station. Or when he did a live stream, he was very confused. But he said, if anything happens to me, the police did it. And then later... Um, he was checked into the hospital, very beaten up, and ended up dying uh, while he was in the hospital. I think it was two days after he was taken to the hospital. So there's a lot of confusion of what happened to him, why, you know, how did he get all these bruises to his face? Um, and they've people have been going to town hall, to the uh, local, I think, police office, but don't quote me on that because Patterson's very far north of where I am, uh, doing protests. The first night that they did a protest, the police, I believe, maced people and were hitting them with their bikes. And so every night since then, there's been a protest of, you know, we want to know what happened in this. How did this man end up dead? Jesus. That's intense. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, So, you know, I stand with the family. I believe his name was Jameek. um, All of his family and associations that they have the right to know what happened to him while he was in police custody. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I 100% voted for Trump. I 100% believe that I was Trump's original supporter. From uh, I I started supporting him in 20, uh, was it 2012 or 2011? I believe when he first even teased announcing it. I'm not gonna lie, but the biggest, the biggest thing that I disagree, because I, I, I do have more of a libertarian point of view when it comes to things. I was, I was more of a Rand Paul, a Rand Paul supporter. One of the biggest things that I uh, disagree with the conservative and Republican Party comes down to the police, the police issue in general. I think uh, there needs to be some sort of reform in how the police are. So, so poli- the police officers are given jobs without even fully being trained on the law they're trying to enforce and they're not they're not clearly evaluated uh to the fullest extent uh in the in the type of job they're given they're given so much power over the community whenever the police when the police were formed the police in America when they were when that entity was formed it was initially supposed to be our it was like our uh, a visual a visual uh, a visualization of our Second Amendment rights, the right to bear arms. They know that we get we had the police officers were supposed to be our protection against a tyrannical government that came to against us. But it, as time progressed, they are now the tyrannical government. <laughs> they are like the the hands that uh, that uh, that help them, and it's kind of just a weird it's just a weird twist on. Uh, <laughs> on how society just uh, works.
Well, yeah, I would like to see um, some sort of community review board that reviews, you know, whenever there's a police shooting or whenever there's some sort of an extreme use of force where the community actually gets a chance to review and say, this is how we want to be policed or this is not how we want to be policed. Exactly. And, um, you know, you sound a little bit younger than me, so I don't remember if you know if you remember the movie The Watchmen. Yes. Uh, it was about superheroes, and there was the who's watching the Watchmen. That's why you need something like that to watch the police, that to make sure that the police um, are not serving a tyrannical government. They're not serving racism. They're not serving injustice. That they have, to, you know, that they're um, so they need the, somebody to watch them while they're watching everyone else. And a lot of this comes down to just the the ignorance that is impl- implemented into the police force in general. Uh, they just, like I said earlier, they just do not, they're not taught the law. You know, they're just, they're just taught to write tickets, make that quota, and to just constantly look for those little things that shouldn't bother anybody, but they're going to make a big deal out of it because they need to make that quota. Well, I think the, I think what happens is if the police get suspended or fired, that the uh, arbitration board or whatever you call it should not uh, encourage these uh, cops to get back on the streets because the arbitration uh, board or whatever they're usually the ones that allow the cops to get back on the force despite the fact that the chief of police in whatever police station there is uh, anywhere in the country they're the ones that fire the cops but this uh, arbitration committee or whatever they're the ones that can overrule the chief of police at any single time and these cops can come back on the force spread their power all over again and beat up people whenever they want arrest people whenever they want even though even if the charges are trumped up if you will it's, it's almost like they're forced they're forced to be aggressive they're forced they're almost it's like their hand because I'm not I, I don't want to sit here and say that all the police are just these bad guys I just feel like they're 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 put under a microscope in terms of what they do in their job. Instead of just making sure everyone's safe, it's like make sure you write this many, make sure you uh, arrest this many people, and make sure you do, you know, you uh, you find something to hurt somebody. You know, it's like a. The, the, I always, uh, I've always heard that the police were always described to me as a uh, a, a a robber with a with a badge. You know, it's like a legal legal robbery. It's armed robbery that uh, they can get away with. <laughs> you know, they come up to you and they have a gun on them and they're like, "Hey, uh, give us your money, or you're going to jail. <laughs> you know, give us your money, or we're gonna shoot you." So, um, yeah, that's just the one thing. That's the that's probably the biggest thing is the is is the police thing is where I I tend to disagree with the conservatives uh, slash Republican side of the party. Well, you're allowed to have your own opinions, you know. I think a lot of people just are towing the party line on both sides. So it's good to have your own opinions. And that that brings us back to just these, you know, these this, the two-party system. You know, there's beliefs. You know, we, we all feel – a lot of people feel like when someone says something, we have to sit there and defend it to the end of all – end of time when, when a lot of things that people say are hypocritical – or makes absolutely no sense. Like there's these lines that like people don't want to cross for some reason, when they could and they could find a party that represents those crossed belief lines. You know, you don't have to stick to the single the the single belief system that we are accustomed to. There are a to. lot of political parties, and you know, there. I think there should be tons of political parties because two. 
two things is not going to represent everyone. If you only had two sizes, you know, not everyone could wear the same clothes. So we need a lot of options because we have a very diverse spectrum of people here. Sometimes Ed Ray is full of uh, uh, knowledge and words, and sometimes... Yeah, you said you had the most uh, controversial co-host here. He is the most controversial, which, but just sometimes he's, he's, he has nothing to say. And it got so to a point. So you're a troll, I guess. Well, you're so a professional I'm, internet troll. Well, some people say that I guess that's the reason why I got on Encyclopedia Dramatica to begin with. But after a while, I decided to stop that and go to a very serious direction, and that's why I ended up doing blogs on my website called the Edray the EdRayReport dot com. Edray, the uh, gardening troll. That's what we like to call him. <laughs> the gardening troll. <laughs> Which, ironically, in one of our uh, in one of our films, he plays a garden troll where <laughs> he's a big green ogre. And we call him a garden troll, and uh, it's pretty funny. It's been good talking to you guys. Oh, closing statements, I guess. Uh, what uh, what days do you post your podcast, and uh, what all future episodes do you have in store? I know you mentioned one earlier, but uh, just... Um, my posts go up every Monday morning, and in the next couple of episodes, I said I have the, the interview with Doug Peacock. I have a post about fighting the gerrymandering bill. I'm going to have... Oh, what else do I have coming up in the near future? Um, we'll be talking about party lines and um, anti-fascism, I believe, are my next four that are coming up. If, if you can't tell, uh, audience, uh, we completely winged this one. <laughs> but <laughs> we completely winged this one. Uh, please stay tuned for when my uh, other co-host uh, gets out of jail. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Ed Ray, any final last words? Well, all I can say is best to, uh, best of luck to you with your art and your photography, etc. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for being on. I apologize if it wasn't exactly what uh, we had planned or hoped for, but uh, but it was fun talking to you nonetheless. It was good talking to you guys too. All right, thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. And that, my friends, is how you don't conduct an interview. Or that might just be my opinion. And that's just fine. Because this is Opinions and Beer. And we can't guarantee a good episode every time, guys. We can't do it. Okay, sometimes you just gotta stick with the mud. You get it? Get it? Got it? Good. Opinions and Beer. Opinions and Beer. Can't go wrong with opinions and beer, opinions and beer, opinions and beer. All we got here are opinions ah, and beer.